Here's the thing about Nier Automata. They're robots and they're also people? Are they? What makes a person Nier They're humans, but also they're cats. Yes. <laughs> Release the butthole cut of Nier Automata, please. <laughs> I mean, it's almost there. I mean, this I mean thing it's is, practically that. That skirt is pretty <laughs> high up, girl. <laughs> Everything that lives is designed to end. We are perpetually trapped in a never-ending spiral of life and podcasts. Is this a curse or some kind of punishment? I often think about the God who blessed us with this cryptic podcast and wonder if we'll ever get the chance to kill him. Welcome to Gay for Play, a podcast about all things queer <laughs> in the world of pop culture, video games, and beyond. I'm Eric Solis. <laughs> I'm Lawrence Turner Cordova, and not us opening opening this pod with talking about killing God, girl. <laughs> hey, any good JRPG ends with you killing God. True, that was a given. That's not that a spoiler, a even. Because, not a spoiler um, to say that you kill God at the end of this game. We've you've we've, you've been there before. You you can put it together. Um, mm. whew, Hello, wait, everybody. Hi. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. It's been a minute. Well, yeah, we ended up not being able to record last week because I what traveled to the land of. Treason, no sales tax, Oregon. Ooh, yes, and you passed through my little neck of the woods in Northern California along the way, and I got to see you in person, and that was so lovely and it surreal. Was so lovely, and and also once again, I feel like we say this every time we meet um, since we since we started this podcast, but it's also like weirdly normal. Like I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. I see you every week, and like just because you're, um, I can reach out and touch your flesh and not um, see you on the light of a screen, it mm-hmm. still feels like, hey, I'm just seeing my friend who yeah. I regularly chat just because we're in the meat space doesn't make the digital space any less valid yeah Uh-oh. anyways we've said that a million times we've said that a uh, million how else are you feeling times. what's what's going on with you oh i am good i am still uh figuring out what life holds for me um i recently closed aren't a show. we all girl aren't we all aren't we all yes no i i, I recently closed a show so i've gone from like working a good amount to working like barely just enough and i need to like figure out uh Mm-hmm. My acting, am I in the artist? Am I a full time podcaster? Lauren, are we well, gonna go full time on this? Oh, I mean that's what I've been doing for the last year. <laughs> <coughs> oh, excuse me. I actually am maybe getting a job soon. Um details to come. Um huh? but uh I was gonna ask, have you like found yourself having more time for video games now that you're slightly less employed, or is it about the Oh, same? I have, and or, thankfully there was um a big old update for a game that you and I have oh, yes, both oh, yes, been diving oh, yes. into. Oh, yes. Um, oh, yes. Absolutely. Oh, yes. Um, it's Animal Crossing. It's Animal, Animal Crossing, Crossing right? 2. Oh! Right. Wait, okay. We should say up top, we're gonna be talking about it in depth soon, right? Yes, yes. Well, I think, I believe uh, we should say for our one year anniversary special, we're gonna be doing like a... Which is in what? Two weeks? Two, two weeks! weeks we'll, we'll two have weeks! We'll have been um, airing this show for a year, mm-hmm. uh, which is wild. Um, and yeah. 
Yeah, uh, like a little it. Animal Crossing like re-retrospective. Um, and I think, you know, we'll have we'll have had a couple of weeks with the new updates. You know, these games are about taking your time and having patience. And I I certainly am like still working my way through most of uh, what is there in the update because it was a fair mm-hmm. amount. It took like a good old like two hours for me to download all oh, yeah. the new shiz that's in the Animal Crossing DLC. Even that's, wait, okay. Uh, even that's understating the amount of stuff that's, uh, the amount of this mm-hmm. update. It's huge. Um, also you said, uh, you said my sleeper cell activation phrase, uh, because I wanted to move on to our next topic, okay, okay. which is, oh, what a celebration we've had today. Thank goodness. <laughs> Cause did you hear about, um, the Wicked movie cast? <laughs> oh, oh shit. You said shiz. You said shiz, which is my sleeper cell oh, Wicked shiz. activation phrase. <laughs> oh, Bach. <laughs> Wait, okay. Um, actually backtracking cause I do want to, um, say, on Animal Crossing real quick. Yeah, we'll be talking a lot more about it in two weeks. I did want to say, um, if you have had any special memories, if you, listener, listener, oh, if you've had oh. any... Um, Listen, are you listening? Uh, listener, are you Special listening? memories of playing the game over the past year or um, anything, that, any thoughts that you have about Animal Crossing, how it's changed your life, how it helped get you through uh, what, Quarantina, um, share it with us. Like, l- write us a little, like, note or send us, like, a, um audio message of you talking about um, what Animal Crossing means to you. And we might include it in the show because we want to make it, like, a fun little um, anniversary yeah. shindig. Too. Even send um, pics with that cool little new phone app update. Yeah, oh, my God. That little fish eye lens. God, oh I've been gosh, having so much fun so with much. the phone camera. I, yeah, it's also, like, the Happy Home Paradise stuff is truly like crack absolute cocaine i'm mm-hmm. saying it um and you know what else is um the news the 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 um being able to go to sleep tonight knowing that arianka is going to be performing the iconic role of uh, glinda the good witch is actually uh has actually been a, a major boon for my mental health in a major way i, would I say. can't believe how <laughs> like pleased i am with this news i was yes. ready i was ready for it to be chris pratt i swear to god <laughs> But no, I actually think Ariana is like gonna fucking kill it. I think we should also say Cynthia Erivo is going to fucking slay as Elphaba. Gonna slay the house down as Elphaba. It's gonna it's gonna be a moment and a half. Her no good deed is gonna absolutely rock my socks. Exactly, and and that it's um, John Chu, director of what Crazy Rich Asians in the Heights. Like clearly, Mm -hmm. like a director who like understands like visual spectacle on screen. Oh my god, it's finally happening! My god, it's finally happening. I think, you know, we don't talk too much about theater. Well, we do talk a lot about theater on this podcast. But I don't think we talk about theater proper, um, or at least our experience with it. Wicked, you know, I, I think it's it's It was kind a gateway of fallen- drug. It was, like, it was a gateway yeah. drug for all of us. And I think that we've uh, lost sight of how much Wicked um, did for us as young little queers. So it's really exciting. I mean, that- it was certainly the first time I truly felt Wicked. Mm-hmm. Um... Fuck, I was going to cut this. <laughs> uh, just, I'll go, mm-hmm, Fellow and then... Aussians, let us be English. Let that... us be English. Let us rejoice if I, that goodness could subdue the wicked workings of you know I tweeted, I was like, she's going to go into a mixed belt on that, and it's going to be um, a yas from me in my chair. Um, so. um, and uh, <laughs> who else Who else are we going to get? Um, how do you think they're going to shove James Corden into this? 
Oh God, I hope not. I I, I feel like I mean I feel like Doctor Dillamond is an obvious choice for mm-hmm. him, but um, please keep him out of it. If he's Madame Morrible, is it camp? Uh, no, okay. nothing James Corden does is camp. It's not. It's true. He's straight. True. He's straight. <laughs> Allegedly. Yeah. <laughs> um. Um. Well, I think to what like every you know movie he's in would like you to believe about him. Um. Well, I don't know. I think. I don't think queer people are that mean because James mm-hmm. Corden is famously mean. Um, mm-hmm. It's been said he's a shitty celebrity and acts high and mighty. And I don't yeah. think I don't think a queer celeb uh, with that much exposure would be a Ellen, douchebag. Ellen DeGeneres. Oh, T T T T. Well, money money and power corrupts absolutely. So, mm-hmm. and that's on yes, God. And that's on dear old Chiz. <laughs> and that's on dear old Chiz. I think I was doing one of those harmonies there. Um, okay, Animal Crossing, Wicked. Anything else? Um, oh, yeah. Also, uh, Real House of Salt Lake City is the best show on television. Um, oh, my gosh. That's right. And Jen Shaw's uh, currently, on, as it's as the TV show is airing, um, currently in the middle of getting arrested, which is uh, thrilling television. Um, everyone needs to go watch. It's Wow. Ted uh, Lasso, you fucking wish. No, truly. Uh, anyway. <laughs> Anyways, should we talk about video games? Oh my Speed gosh, runs? I would love to. Okay, Wait, so okay. this week we are talking about a game that uh, is very special to me. Lawrence, I know that you have varying feelings on um, well, the experience of playing this game. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. But yeah, it, I just want to say it's really interesting because if I'm not mistaken, I believe I recommended this game to you. Hmm. I think I, I feel like I recommended this game to you at one point. Maybe you had already okay. heard of it. I'm I also not... remember it being like a pretty like um spe- specific thing. Not specific. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Is it was a pretty big deal when it came out, even mm-hmm. though it came out like right around the same time Breath of the Wild did, which is hilarious. You know, I don't think I recommended it to you per se, but I do I do believe I started playing it before you did. And then before you started playing it, you were like, How is this game? And I was like, really dope. I think you'd like it. Um even though I'm not done playing it. And, and then now I've, I've like fucking consumed it in like the course of like two weeks. And I, spoiler alert for this epi, fell off and I'm not too hot on it, but we'll talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're talking about Near Automata. Near Automata? Near a tomato. was a beautiful score by uh, Keiji Okabe. Keiichi um, Okabe. Keiichi even. Okabe even. Wow. Oh my god. I mean, I think we could both agree probably the well, yeah. very best thing about this video game is the From the music. jump. Yeah, I have to say um, music is absolutely a 10 out of 10. Maybe one of the best video game scores of modern times. Uh, absolutely have to give it up to um, Okabe-san for his incredible, incredible work on this game. Um, yeah. Uh, um, wait, but, I wanted to start with a little pun. Okay. Oh, oh, oh my <laughs> gosh, he has a pun. We were, well, we were talking oh about, we were talking about musical theater earlier and this little, um, this little ditty has been stuck in my head, um, uh, for weeks. I'm so glad to present it to you here, which is, people think near automata, but that is exactly what we're not. not. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, ooh! Wow, it's a musical theater epi this week. Deep cut. Uh, that Deep was um, cut. that was spelling bee, right? That was spelling bee. 
Yes, the the twenty fifth annual Yorha County Spelling Bee. Spelling Bee. Oh my god. Wait, and their little placards are just like their little like spelling bee numbers are just their little Android number. That would be fucking perfect. Oh Anyways, what the fuck is this game, Eric? What the fuck is this game? <laughs> um, so near automata, which is what I'm going to say. I'm going to say near automata. That is yeah, what I, I that is what our, I feel comfortable saying. Um this correct. is this is a 2017 action JRPG. Well, RPG, JRPG. Technically yeah, RPG. It's a JRPG. It was developed in Japan. JRPG, developed by Platinum Games, um, famous for works such as Bayonetta, Wonderful 101, Astral Chain, generally just a, like the most like crazy bananas anime town sort of like video game visual and style combat mechanics. Really known for their uh, combat, like a really combat focused studio. Um, really right, known right, right. for like their hack and slash kind of beat em up. Kingdom Hearts y sort of um, uh, combat. Yes, Speaking of good Kingdom Hearts, um, this game was published by uh, Square Enix. Enix. Uh, how do you pronounce it? No one's quite sure. Square Enix. Square Enix. A, t- a tomato? Uh, and directed by uh, Yoko Taro, um, who is uh, sort of fav- uh, been infamous in the gaming uh, community for, for years now. He's behind, um, you know, in 2010, there was an. Technically, we should say Nier Tomat is a sequel um, to the yeah. game Nier from 2010, also directed by Gotaro. is itself a spinoff of his first game that he directed called Dragon Guard. Um, so, like, the original Nier was, like, a spinoff. Uh, I don't know anything about Dragon Guard, but it was, like, set Me in neither. an alternate universe of Nier. And uh, then this game, uh, Nier Automata, is Which a is set, like, set. thousands of years in the future after... The after events of one the of the endings, of, after of one the of the endings of Near, because we should also say this game has many endings, multiple endings. This game, I'll say, it, it's kind of confusing. It's, <laughs> it's kind of confusing, um, and like, yes, yeah, so Yokotaro is like known. He's certainly, I think, what we would call a video game auteur, um, absolutely, in the same um, way that we talk about uh, Hideo Kojima of Metal Gear Solid and Death Stranding. Um, who's another one? Um, Hidetaka Miyazaki of Dark Souls. Correct. I would uh, say uh, um, um, a creator of Psychonauts' uh, series, Tim Schafer, as well. Um, sort of the spirit of the Double Fine franchise of games. Um, you yeah, know, I, I think but, he's, Yoko Taro certainly falls into a category of um, directors who uh, have their kind of directorial stamp on this game in a way that, like, a lot of video games kind of feel more like a collaborative, a collective effort, which is not to say that he single-handedly developed this game at all or anything, but, like, Mm. it certainly is a game... But his, his games like strive to be as like singular a vision as possible, like mm-hmm. to uh, to to achieve certain like themes and, and standards that are like you know present in all of his pieces. Yeah, um, he's also uh, quite a character. Yeah, um, I don't. Have you seen like videos and pictures of him in interviews and just I his, have, like, yeah <laughs> his general persona? So yeah, uh, he doesn't. He like hates being photographed, so he's always pictured mm-hmm. wearing this like really creepy mask. Um, which is yeah, like, which I think is, one of the characters of the original Near game. Yeah, um, I think like. Emil, who was like a character who was present in the first Nier and then like sort of cameos in Nier Automata. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of looks like the moon from Majora's Mask. A little, a little yeah, bit. like a creepy moon. So he has like this big, like creepy moon, like head, mascot head on basically. That he always um, wears. Anyway. That he always wears in, in when he's in interviews or does public appearances. Um, he, And he, yes, he says it's to, um, you know, he doesn't like to have his games like thought of as um being, a, you know, strangely one singular Persian's vision or like, he wants them to stand on their own for what they are. He doesn't really like to sort of explain what's going on in his games or like really discuss the themes similar to um, 
you know, other like very abstract directors like David Lynch, um, who just sort of leave his pieces up to the audience, to their mm-hmm. interpretation. Um, yeah. And he just incorporates um, so many different kinds of philosophy and unconventional ways of gameplay and game design into his games. Something I thought was interesting looking into his work, it said that he's kind of is like, um, uh, I forget the term, but like he works backwards basically where you usually yeah. he'll design a game, uh, with the ending in mind first and then kind of work yeah. backwards from there. Or I think it's that he wants to, um, he thinks of how he wants the player to react first. He wants, he decides mm-hmm. this is the, this is the reaction I want to elicit through gameplay or story or any combination of all the different, you know, visual aspects or gameplay aspects. And, um, then works backwards from there to get to the story, um, which I think is so interesting because when you think of games that are super narrative heavy, games like Last of Us that are so much about like the plot and mm-hmm. cut scenes and like characters, you know, it's hard to imagine. I think those games are more designed in conjunction plot and gameplay together, whereas Yoko Taro seems to be more interested in working from all kinds of weird directions in games. His games are weird. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I don't think these games are for everybody, um, especially this game we're talking about here near Automata, which we'll talk about it. It's about yeah. you know, sexy robots and stuff. Um, so it's interesting. I wanted to ask you, Eric, um, what was your, I, I guess, like background going into this game? Like, what did you know about it going in? Because I think a lot of people, um, I guess a lot of gamers kind of have a preconceived idea of what this game is based on like what uh, critics have said. Because uh, generally this game reviewed pretty well. It got like a lot of eights and nines, but there's um, kind of very vocal um, segment of people uh, who truly consider this game to be a masterpiece, something truly transcendent um and it's just kind of a um mastercraft of the form so i guess i wanted to start by asking like what what was your background hearing about this game well i i thought uh i oh i think when you hear all of that about a game before you play that really like sets expectations pretty high huh i mean yeah because i read oh well near well isn't that a sequel to some other game and people go yeah but not really it doesn't really matter you don't have to play that one to understand this um and you know when you beat the game that's okay um just play it again because it'll be different that time um this game has multiple endings this game you know which is true it requires multiple playthroughs and you know um you see it from different perspectives and some people consider that really repetitive or like just really grindy um and i think those those come up a lot in the game and so when i went into it knowing that it had so many different um what seemed like so many different things fighting against each other i was surprised just how much more cohesive it felt Mm -hmm. um compared to like the cacophony of um commentary i i thought people were like speaking about the game before i could even have a chance to sit down and touch it yeah yeah i think that's kind of um the intimidating factor about this game is that it seems like a game that elicits so much discussion i mean i'm sure we're going to talk a lot about it uh right now but like um what was i going to say i i feel like um yeah th- that idea of like this game is so massive and mind-boggling is kind of um uh it's a double-edged sword because like it's intriguing, but also kind of, um, sets it's deterring too. really high. And yeah, it makes it a little bit intimidating to get into. Um, I wanted to talk about the idea of this game being a masterpiece, um, mm-hmm. and kind of talk about what exactly a masterpiece is. What do we constitute as a masterpiece? Um, have you thought about this at all, Eric? Yes, I have. I'm actually really glad you put this in. Cause I think I, I, I've been thinking about this a lot too. I think, um, um, another game that I'm is going to have to be brought up in this conversation is um, Death Stranding, mm-hmm. uh, another auteur game um, 
by Hideo Kojima because I I I think that a masterpiece doesn't have to be perfect to be a masterpiece. I think yes. a perfect game and a masterful game can be two different things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think in this context, I think I would say Nier Automata is a masterpiece only because I do think that it is, it does constitute everything Yoko Taro set out for it to be. Yeah. Like everything he wanted to get across, like through gameplay and through story, visual sound, I think all of that is there. Um, but I don't necessarily think that like, it means that it's, the, the a perfect the, the, the a, a perfect game and i don't the epitome and I, of the medium yeah the epitome mm-hmm. of the medium and i also think that like perfect is such a strange word because i, yeah. I don't think any I, I don't i literally don't think any game is perfect i don't think i could name a perfect video game right now i agree um, other than um, skatebird <laughs> which uh, many people disagree with you there mm-hmm. um, i'm i'm dying on this hill it's skatebird <laughs> I still haven't played it. Can you believe it's been sitting on my it's been sitting in my Xbox Game Pass library? I should still I should check it out and play the little bird with the skateboard. Anyways, masterpieces. I I was thinking about it too because I posed this question in our little show docs note, and I came away with the takeaway of like a masterpiece is a work of art through some medium that in some way either transcends the medium or causes people to look at this art. Um, from a lens or perspective that changes our uh, idea of what a mm-hmm. medium can do. Um, you know, I think right. going back to um, the absolute renaissance of it all, like the Sistine Chapel uh, is a masterpiece because, you know, I, I, people looked at it and were like, well, I'm looking into the heavens. Like this is blowing mm-hmm. my mind of how, of, of what an artist can create. How um, is this possible? I, I yeah. can't, my eyes can't even like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry for the super like LOL Eurocentric absolute Catholic example there. But, um, I think on the flip side, a masterpiece can also just be a really, really, like you said, a perfect, like, I think a perfect game can sometimes be a masterpiece too. Like, even though it has flaws, I think of Breath of the Wild as like an absolute masterpiece, you know? I was gonna um, say Ocarina of Time is a masterpiece, exactly, even though, even though I don't love playing that game, like, yeah. I, st- I think that game is like masterful because, because you have to think about, is it masterful in the way that it pushes the medium forward or is it a masterpiece in a in a personal sense of the mm-hmm. word? Is it a is it something that you experience that even though you can admit is not perfect, does something for you as an individual that causes you to you know elicit a specific reaction that maybe is unique to you and yourself? Like, mm-hmm. and so yeah, here's my hot take about video game masterpieces: is that mm-hmm. sometimes video game masterpieces are not that fun to play, and that's okay. <laughs> and that's kind of how I feel. How about you feel? Nero. <laughs> <laughs> Which I, I guess to kind of like um, go into a little bit more, like I think the other thing I want to say too is I can recognize something and be like, yeah, this is a masterpiece. This is a really masterful work that mm-hmm. is, you know, all the things I said, transcendent, um, you know, shifts your perception of what a medium is. And you can also not really vibe with it that much. And that's yeah. okay. I think, you know, I, I think as a culture of people who, you know, consume media and and people who like us who critique art and critique video games and media because uh, we're absolute video game journalistas here um i think we're kind of collectively as a society like losing the art of subjectivity a little um i, I don't know like with yeah. like metacritic culture and like rotten tomatoes culture 
I, I think we're and, kind and of, the need to like give things like a, a you know a number or like yeah, a designation. The need to put a um, number on things and the idea that like if a reviewer didn't give the game that changed your life a perfect ten, that means that their opinion is wrong. And that, oh, like, like when people who were reviewing Cyberpunk and not giving it a perfect score were getting death threats even though the game hadn't come out yet. Yeah, which still I mean, <laughs> a little it's still extreme huh? with games today. And like you go to any review of like any uh, any review that IGN publishes or GameSpot publishes, and like people will be like, oh you gave this other game a you gave this other less less great game a eight but you're giving this game a nine and a half like it just doesn't make sense and truly i think we need to remember that all art is subjective and that we can um appreciate different things even if you know um your version of a 10 out of 10 game is an eight and a half for me you know right um anyway agreed no and i think i think that's that's very well said that it's Mm -hmm. You know, I think notably on this podcast, we never like rate games at the end. We never say like A plus or, yeah. you know, this we game is We generally say like, hey, you should go check 10. it out. And I go don't check it we, out. And I don't think that we um, ever... Um, we don't ever cover a game that we would straight up just say don't play. Like, yeah. Yeah, well, we, like, I, well, have we? I don't know. I, w- I would say don't play Cyberpunk. <laughs> Well, yeah, but that was a, that was a, that was a different. Yeah, that was more of, I don't know. <laughs> that was an event. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know. I think we, I can't think of any specific examples, but I think sometimes But we're not, about, we're not coming yeah. on, even when we did like our episode on Persona 5 and we like ragged on it, we still like yeah. it that we love the game and that I still think it's worth experiencing, but. Yeah. Or like a know. game like The Last of Us, which I totally did not have a fun time playing, mm-hmm. um, but still appreciate. I, I think, you know, there's just room for nuance and everything. And I think, um, Yeah. Right. So that said, why is Near Tomata a four out of ten, Lawrence? Here's the thing: <laughs> I don't like the gameplay that much. Is the thing? Um, it's kind of a standard—I mean, not standard because it's bonkers—but it's a hack and slash RPG uh, with like uh, these like bullet hell segments. Enemies will like shoot a bunch of like slow fly- slow flying orbs at you, and some of them you can yeah. shoot, some of them you can't. You have to dodge. Um, it's just perspectives a lot between, like, 3D exploration, 2D side-scrolling, these, like, shoot 'em up segments. And, like, it's all fine and good, but the gameplay itself isn't necessarily, like, revolutionary for me. And mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it's just, it just felt like kind of a slog to play through, even though the story was really, really interesting. It's just that moment-to-moment gameplay didn't really captivate me in um, a way that wanted me to um, play through it. Especially with the foresight knowing that, like, to com- bring this game to completion, like to we said, it, it requires multiple playthroughs. And yes, those uh, playthroughs, like, change up the uh, change up the gameplay and make things different. But it's like, if I can't if I can't get through, you know, this first playthrough without getting absolutely bored out of my mind <laughs> um, in this pretty, like, drab, brutalistic uh open world um i wouldn't say that this game is um ugly uh because <laughs> it, it's not like there's truly some like uh, i think it's um a really stunning art di- art direction has a really stunning art style um but like uh the open world segment itself is this like open kind of um empty landscape uh with like brutalist architecture um and the enemy designs are kind of like samey and repetitive, and it, 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 that's just to say it, it didn't hook me enough it, enough to play through it all the way. Um, I'll throw it to you in a sec, but like I was reading the Polygon review of this game, and at the end it was saying this is a game that requires a lot of patience and really you know does pay off if you have the patience to get through it. And that's the thing; I just at this juncture in my life didn't really have the patience for it. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but what do you think of the gameplay uh, so far? And then we should also talk about like um, what it's a about. plot overview of like <laughs> yeah. what this game is. <laughs> oh, well, no, I love it, and I think, um, and I, I, it's one of those crazy things where I think like everything you just said is completely valid, mm-hmm. um, and yet I could also to all of that say like, well, yeah, well, like the intention is that it's supposed to be a you know a yeah, drab yeah. world or mm-hmm. like things are, and you know that's not to like minimize or reduce any of that because I because I think this game like absolutely is like not a game for everybody. Yeah. Like I I love games that like have this sort of drab aesthetic or have this kind of, you know, it's a very morose setting. I'll say, you know, this is a, this is a post apocalyptic earth. We are thousands and thousands of years in the future past the end of humanity. And we most, we see everything in this game from the perspective of like the androids that have been left over, like on Mm -hmm. the surface of the earth, you know, it's so when you're coming across these, you know, brutalist landscapes of like destroyed human ruins, they're treated as, you know, ancient temple ruins, but they're just like, you know, these corporate offices and office buildings. Yeah. Yeah. And you see the, and you see these creatures like not understand like what these grand structures are. And you see the way that nature has kind of like, you know, wrapped itself, you know, in and around the, the, the architecture and, but then I don't. But then I don't disagree that like. But yeah, it looks kind of boring because mm-hmm. it, it does it, in real life. It looks kind of boring. Yeah, you know, all of like our structures said, like and buildings. Intentional. It's, again, yeah. it's intentional. Yeah, and like and like we said, the game the game does have a. a well, I, I I do think the hack and slash, at least for me, like I stays varied moment to moment enough that I don't like it get like bored out of my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, I do understand people not wanting to like put in so much time that you end up. But I think my my final playthrough ended up being like forty hours on this game, and mm-hmm. like half of that was spent replaying like the same shit over and over again. But I enjoyed it enough that I didn't mind because the characters and the story and everything else that is like the window dressing on the gameplay does enough for me that I was never like in a place where I wanted to stop. Yeah, I did want to say on that note, if you're if you are sounding like this and are maybe leaning more in my direction of like, oh, I, like sorry sounds interesting, but if the gameplay doesn't vibe with me, I don't know if I want to stick through it. I just found this out um, like a couple hours ago um, that the game does have, if you switch it to easy mode, it has an auto battle mode, which will basically like essentially do the combat for you. Um, And so since I haven't finished this game, but am interested in the grand, grand story, which we'll talk about just in a second. Now that we're 35 minutes into the podcast. (laughs) Um, um, Yeah, that's an option if you want to do that. And I think I will go back and finally uh, slog my way through this. But... Mm. Um, what is, uh, take me into Nier Automata. What is this world? You mentioned it's a post-apocalyptic Post-apocalyptic world. What's um, going on here? Um, so humans are dead. Um, because, spoiler, spoiler, humans are dead. Sorry, Mm -hmm. it was gonna happen. It was gonna happen. Well, it's actually, that actually is a spoiler because, like, in the beginning of this game, the androids still believe the humans are alive, but then, like, Well, because the only humans that are left are the ones that are on the moon. It's like, humans have vacated Earth, I should say. Mm -hmm. The, the, The Earth has been you know, leveled by, with all human life. Um, yes. So nature, the, na- Mother Nature's run her course. She is back, back, back And again. also, it should be said, because aliens created a species of, or, uh, aliens created these robots that um, invaded Earth. Uh, humans yeah, so, dipped to the moon. They were like, um, let's get out of here. And then the humans created these androids uh, called the Yorha. Is that correct? Right, yeah, they're the Yorha, which are this like army of androids that were made in the human's image in order to fight the and the the alien machines back on Earth. 
um, until the alien machines were, um, you know, subjugated eradicated. and eradicated and the humans can safely come back to Earth. But it's been going on for, you for know, ten thousands of years by the mm-hmm. time we start this game. And so it's it's a bit of a fatalistic endeavor, it feels mm-hmm. like, you know, the, the morale is pretty low among the androids. Um, the machine, it, it's, it's, it's just a war that's been in a stalemate for so long that um, uh-huh. also when, we're, just... when we're in it, there's really not really a sense of, of victory or like imminent you know, success coming. Yes. Um, also to specify the, um, androids are, you know, the uh, playable characters here and the machines are the antagonists. I know those are two very similar words, but the machines look like these like clunky tin can robots for the most part. Yeah. The when you think of, of like hand. the most basic idea of a robot, like a squ- square body round head and like, you know, Lego hands and le- arms. Yeah, yeah. And like little gears on their arms. Um, yeah. The androids, on the other hand, uh, like you said, created in, created in man's image. Uh, hello. Absolute hello. Uh, religious imagery tease there. Christianity um, slay. And by, by man's image, we of course mean, um, uh, anime maids and butlers they're so <laughs> sexy Florence we have to talk about it why are they so sexy <laughs> why are the androids so damn sexy literally okay so you're the protagonist here um Tubi is your main uh, girl boss uh queen here uh little um like I said in a little maid outfit um thigh high boots giving you Arianka mm-hmm. high <laughs> high heel six inches no shorter mm-hmm. Uh, with the gray, what's her name, B.O.B., so they calling you Bob Haircuts. Mm-hmm. Oh, and also blindfolded. <laughs> They're all blindfolded. Yeah. Um, is there a reason for that? Is there a narrative explanation for that? No, other than when is they take off the blindfold, it's really dramatic because it's like they realize something uh, and then the blindfold's off and they go, oh, now I know. Mm, you know, now they see. pursuit of knowledge and all that, you know. Uh-huh. Forbidden fruit teas. Uh, lots of fruit religious teas. imagery in this So game. much imagery. Um, yes. Wait. And we'll, we'll talk about it. Yeah. yeah. Tangent after tangent, you, you compared this game, not directly, but the whole like um, um, inaccessible auteur game of it all, you compared it to Death Stranding. <laughs> For me, immediately sprang to mind, of course, was uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion, which... Um, oh, shit, yes. I didn't even think I, about either, but huge Evangelion vibes Lots of game. parallels here of, like, religious imagery, um, lots of uh, waxing philosophical, and also this idea of, like, a really slow burn that turns into this, um, that, you know, deconstructs... Um, mm-hmm deconstructs this genre and um, well yeah because i think evangelion and near are are both like send-ups of like traditional like anime tropes you know mm-hmm. near near has these like sexy girl boss like fighting robots um and you know they're very titillating and you see them from all these low angles and all the imagery of them is like very sensual and and um suggestive and then you get into the game and it ends up being like this incredibly dark like philosophical um you know exploration of human nature and like thought and consciousness. And so mm-hmm. it's, it's really crazy. And I think Evangelion is known for doing a lot of the same stuff as like appearing to, you know, this be this big, like battle robot anime that then goes to, you know, crazy nihilism that, depression town. Well, and really quickly is, you know, not super, a, a robot battle anime, but more of just mm-hmm. a um, psychological um, slow burn of a thriller um, mm-hmm. that goes crazy at the end. Um, like this game. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so yeah, this game you so you're playing as um, this pair 2B. of sexy sexy androids, Two uh, B and uh, her um, little boy little boy companion Nine S, um, and so you play through this world. Uh, you're fighting these machines. Um, the machines. It's believed that the machines nor the androids have any emotions, and that's kind of a central idea of this game. It's like no, yeah. we're we're each just like. Um, 
serving our creator's intents. The machines are um, serving the wills of their alien creators and we're serving, we're, we're fighting for the glory of mankind, as they often say. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And, and 2B <laughs> is like the more militant one, the more who's like very much about the rules and the mission. And 9S is the more curious one, the, yeah. the younger boy character who's like, well, but, but what do you mean they don't have feelings? And, mm-hmm. you know, is the one who begins to question and explore and taste yeah. that forbidden fruit, Hanny. What do you mean they don't have feelings, he says, as um, the machines that you kill are repeatedly like, please don't kill me, please stop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it hurts, it hurts. And it's so, and it's almost like, it's, it's comical until it's not when that the robots could only speak in this monotone voice. Oh God, it hurts, pain, I want to die, what is life? Yeah, Creator, and then throughout it, like, throughout it, they're like, no, they're just programmed to say that, like, don't believe them. And they don't quickly, really feel it, anything. Yeah. It, it kind of like hits the nail over the head of like, oh, what if they actually do have feelings? But I do think the game is going for something deeper than that, which mm-hmm. um, I don't know. What do you want to say next? I, I kind of want to re- defer the reins to you because, like I said, it did not finish this game. So um, please um, launch into your thoughts. Well, uh, 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 let me gather my thoughts. Um, well, I think there's um, there's there's so much about like what. Even though this is a game where not a single, you know, biological human makes an appearance, this is a game that's so much about, like, humanism and, like, humanity and, like, what is our, like, implicit reason for being here. Um, Mm -hmm. um, And like you said, there's a lot of, like, nails being hit over the head. Like, there are bosses in this game that are just named after philosophers. Um, Mm -hmm. You get Simone de Beauvoir in there. You get Hegel in there. You get Pascal in there. Pascal's a character. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Right, and you know, you know, it's, I'm not, I'm not gonna say like pretend like I'm smart and that I've read any of these philosophers, but <laughs> that that they're there, that these philosophers who are you know known hey, throughout I, the centuries for having these concepts of you know what makes life and what happens when we die, and I learned about them in the two humanities classes that I took in college. <laughs> uh, I think I took a, I took a psychology class. Mm-hmm. I know about Gestalt, postmodernism. I know, I, I know that. <laughs> this is not a pipe, bitch. <laughs> Oh um, man! So all that to say, I, I, I'm not going to actually be able to like speak about like wax the second wave about the wax poetic here. about yeah. Simone de Beauvoir's like second wave feminism because mm-hmm. bitch I haven't I haven't touched that. But um, you know it's a it's a game that you know dances around all of it and like includes you know real ideas you know from philosophers like Nietzsche or Kierkegaard and just the fact that the game is so um is can be so visually aggressive with these. You know, you know, sexy robots who are, you know, sword fighting and shooting lasers and also, you know, moving their bodies like they're fucking ballet dancers. It's so fucking Mm -hmm. extra. Um, And then it's coming up against all of this discussion of like, why why are these robots doing this? (laughs) Why are these androids who were made in man's image, you know, killing these robots with such glee and grace and... um, why, 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 Lawrence? Why was it made yeah. like this? <laughs> I, I, yeah, ultimately, I think the, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I haven't played through it, but I think the central theme of this game is um, about agency and um, mm-hmm. about what it means to be human and what it means to um, go about our days doing our silly little tasks. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> um, yeah, and, and, I, it, and it would be a video game that, like, has you go about your day doing your sil- silly little tasks in yeah. the game to, like, well, make you, like, really consider it. That's a part of it, too. And I think, um, you know, I, I think maybe because I've been trying to uh, deprogram my brain from uh, capitalism a little bit is maybe that's why the gameplay didn't engage me so much. Because I was like... If I'm not having fun with this, why am I doing it? 
uh, in terms of the gameplay. And I think that's kind of an intentional thing of like the, the gameplay, the shooting hack and slash is kind of rote, but like these answers are just doing it because it's their job and they've been, uh, right. they've been uh, told by their superiors to carry out these tasks. And I think the game really starts to dive into, um, you know, why they are tasked with doing this and why, uh, why these, um, machines are also tasked with doing the things they're doing. And, um, are they evolving? Are, are, is this AI gaining sentience and gaining an awareness of itself beyond, um, uh, beyond just the programming that it was programmed to do? Um, I think that's kind of right. what this game asks. And I it. think that's why what's, uh, that's what Yoko Taro was definitely going for, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, when it comes to like wh- why he made this a video game and not something else. Cause he's, he's, famously worked in other mediums there's actually a near automata stage play that we yes, don't have to get just, into but. well you just told me about it and i think we've talked about theater a bit on this episode so like yeah i had no idea that this was a thing until you showed me and yeah, i was like we no, might as well say that there yeah there's he, he yoko taro full-on has like written two like prequel plays that like tell the origin of the yorha android race um that like details like the events of character the, the events of characters lives that we meet near automata before we meet them um, and it's just wild that like this, this, uh, creator truly who, you know, says constantly, it's like, no, I, I don't make, he doesn't think of himself as a game creator. He just thinks of this person who tells stories and finds like the best way to tell them. Um, where was the quote? There was actually a quote that I pulled cause it's, he, you know, I'll let him say it better than I say it. Um, uh, yes, yeah, this is from an interview he actually did only a week ago. We should say he had a game that just came out recently, um, so so unrelated to Nier, we're not going to talk about it, but hence oh, why this interview was so recent. Um, he says, you know, he's discussing his philosophy behind games and why he, you know, makes the uh, choices that he does. He says, no matter what kind of story I write, there will be a certain number of players that will say, I don't want a story, just give me the gameplay. Mm-hmm. As such, I try to create the game in a way that the gameplay makes sense, even if you're not paying attention to the story. Because of that, I try not to think of it as improving my writing techniques, rather that I aim to increase the time in which players are playing the game. I'm not at all sad if people completely disregard dialogue. As long as I go look at pictures of kittens or something, I'll feel better. I didn't add that part. <laughs> He's such a weirdo. <laughs> I love um, him. Um, but that speaks to his point of, like, he 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 truly, like, builds these games, uh, you know, from the gameplay first, from the interaction yeah. first, and then branches it out from there because when you say yeah Nier has kind of you know not a fun game to play all the time well yeah it's not (laughs) to touch quickly back on the masterpiece conversation that we're having i think part of what makes a masterpiece a masterpiece is like um a a story or a piece of art that can't that couldn't be told in any other medium other than this one Mm -hmm. you know what i mean i think near automata you know um what it's going for couldn't be told through uh, an anime would suck yeah yeah probably it would probably hit it would probably look really clean um the the op the op would be great yeah um oh yeah that opening segment is or and the whole opening segment animated would look crazy because this game drops you in um you're like flying a machine and then like you run through you should we say the first hour you're like running through this oil rig fighting machines and at the end of it it turns out the oil rig is a giant machine and then you have to fight the giant oil rig and it's that would um, be fun oh yeah and And then it has Mm-hmm. And then, like, I think it ends with, like, um, with one of you guys sacrificing yourself by taking out your, like, black box OS chip yeah. or whatever, which ends the game, essentially. Because um, it should be said, I, I think, going back to the game, um, this is a very meta game. No Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> 
Oh shit! No, no, oh no! Oh my gosh! We sorry tangent. We cannot allow that man to um, take the word meta from us. <laughs> meta, meta is our word. That's the thing that we like to indulge it. and use too much on this podcast. We're reclaiming you can't have the word it. meta. Anyways, um, but this is a very meta game in that the you everything from the like UI to the design of the game uh, kind of wraps it back in itself. The yeah, menu like the is UI like, is is like the computer interface that your Android like interfaces with to like operate in its brain yeah. it's, and it's things, so weird so you have like a little like um uh, chip set of like all the like upgrades and stuff that you can um uh that you can you know add to your character to basically your abilities. buffs your character buffs are like upgrade chips yeah but included in those like up including that chip set there's a chip set for like the mini map on the screen like if you take that out if you take that out then you can no longer see the mini map because it's as if this minimap is part of this Android's body. Because so you disabled it in your UI. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, and then if you take out the OS chip, um, you know, like, if you take out your your Android's processor, um, the game rolls credits. <laughs> it's yeah. over, because you killed your Yeah, character. you can just, you can also, like, just, like, you know, freaking Harry carry yourself mm-hmm. at any point in the middle of this game. Yeah, um, which ties into the idea of this game having multiple, multiple endings. And do we want to talk about that a little bit without being too spoilerinas? Sure. Well, I don't. I don't know what there is. I mean, I don't know what there will be to get at in that. Um, you know, I think it's uh, so much of this game needs to be experienced. And I, wait, so where are you, Lawrence? That's what I want to know because I don't know what I want to say based I'm... on what you've seen. Okay, remember when I said I was before we started recording? I was uh-huh. I was muted and I um, told you something that I thought was going to elicit a reaction out of you. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> but it turns out it was muted, and I was like, I'll save it for the podcast. And that was that I basically didn't play this game well, more than you- I did more than I did a couple weeks ago. So like I I was at the like forest area, and so no, I, I was in Pascal's village, and then he told me to go to the forest area. And then I went to the forest area and I was like, okay, I'm gonna play through at least this segment. And then I got into forest area a little bit, fought the little dudes that were like praising the forest king, and then I was like yeah, I'm not having fun. And so you I, didn't get to you didn't get to the to to the Forest King. No, you didn't you didn't get to A two. No. You didn't get to the Adam and Eve final confrontation. You no, didn't get I to didn't. the elevator underneath the earth. You didn't you, you didn't you didn't even what's none the, of that. No, <laughs> but you, but you, but that's the that's the stuff that's fun. That's the stuff that's good. Oh, is it? Is it? Does it get fun after? <laughs> I literally, I think like. If you if you have at least completed like the first playthrough of the game without starting the second one, like that is a very like satisfying like complete story on its own. Okay, like I think I said, it only I'm... gets better from there. But I was gonna I... fully like say that it, 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 I was gonna go so much further than that. Wow. Well, yeah. Okay. Like I said, I'm gonna go back to with the auto battle feature just because like I just couldn't do the combat. I was just truly bored out of my mind and couldn't get through it. Um, like I said though, I, I did read some stuff about uh, what happens later. I didn't spoil myself on the third playthrough of the game, which goes crazy. But I do know for a fact that, like, and minor spoiler alert, uh, after you finish the first playthrough of the game, you start the second playthrough as um, 9S, uh, your boy companion. And so, like, now Mm -hmm. you're playing as him and 2B is the uh, person following you around. Um, And it's basically the same story, is that correct? Just Um, a different lens? Well, no, because there's a uh, a big chunk in the part of the game that you didn't play where they split off. And so then you see, see, like... The final act from his perspective, which is a totally separate thing from what Two B sees. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but yeah, but if yeah, it, you have to play the game to see that it does that. 
okay, drag me. Anyways, that, that's what I was going to say is that when I was muted was that I hadn't played much more of this game and had also decided that maybe this game wasn't for me until I found out about the auto battle feature. Anyways, I did want to say about the whole perspective shifting thing that like, I think that's a really unique and cool thing that this game does of um, playing as your sidekick character for a second full playthrough of the game. Um, I was watching some YouTube videos about this game and someone brought up a quote uh, from Kojima uh, talking about a moment in I think Metal Gear Solid 2 where you play as someone other than um, Mr. Solid Snake. Um, And Kojima was talking about uh, this idea of like he had to make Snake not the protagonist in that moment because in order to like... um, create a true mythology the player has to separate themselves from the protagonist that they're playing uh, and it has to um you know that's necessary in order to create a mythology outside of yourself um and i think that's a really interesting thing for a game to do to um to detach you from the game from the protagonist to say like hey Mm -hmm. this person is in the center of the world here i think that's a very interesting approach yeah should we talk about what's should we talk about what's queer in this game Wait, too? Wait, yeah, let's talk about gay stuff. Let's <laughs> talk about LOL what our podcast is meant to do. Let's do that. <laughs> Right, Eric, what exactly is queer about this game? Ooh, what's queer about robots that don't have gender or sex and yet still express their gender and sex? Ooh, it's very makes, interesting. Really makes you think. Really makes you think. It's almost like uh, we're supposed to see the androids as, as, as ourselves. It's almost like the, the androids and the humans are one in the same. It's- mm-hmm. um, so I do think we need to start, um, like you said, about by talking about the queer coded villains here. <laughs> how could we not? Because it wouldn't be it wouldn't be a great JRPG if it didn't have like incredibly feminine villains. Androgynous. Androgynous. Um, the house down. Um <laughs> Yeah, because um the, the the I would say the main antagonistas of this game um are uh, two of two of my hot sexy besties, Adam and Eve. Um, you know, because people you know, will say like, oh, you know, 2B is so like, you know, caters to the male gaze and is, you know, they only made her sexy to sell copies of the game. Maybe, you know, maybe that was true. But hey, we get just as equal amounts of like sexy, like male robots in mm-hmm. this game um, that are also like incredibly like sexy and unclothed and like very sensual in every delivery that yeah. they get. For truly no good reason other than it's just so fun. (laughs) (laughs) So who are these characters? Um, I have encountered them, even though, like I said, I didn't play through to the completion of their story. Well, it's interesting, the the, the, the very conception of of these characters, Adam and Eve, early on in the game, you go to a... um, uh, uh, sort of like um, machine nest, or again, the alien machines who the androids are fighting. You're infiltrating uh, one of their bases, um, and you come across what seems to be a robot uh, machine orgy. It's just these sort Mm -hmm. of tin can-looking robot figures slamming their bodies into each other, um, you know, trying to basically depict the acts of sex. Um, You know, we start to see throughout the game that these machine creatures are doing, doing things these like little human things, doing yeah. human things. They're getting these human attributes. Um, There's the carnival are, sequence where they're like mindlessly 
doing out a parade or pretending yes, to have fun at pretending a to have mm-hmm. fun because that is what you know they've observed through studying human history and human um, behavior and actions um, you mm-hmm. know so you find this robot orgy where even though the robots <laughs> don't have any reproductive organs they're just they're trying slamming. to fuck they're trying to fuck <laughs> they're trying to fuck and um at some point um in in this you know robot orgy battle that they're having they all sort of like Glom together into like one big like machine robot ball that cracks open and out falls this human looking figure um who we learn is named adam um who does not look like the other machines he actually looks closer to the androids um mm-hmm. in his appearance and, long um, silver hair long silver hair um you know as as the game goes on he starts to like wear human clothes and you know his hair grows much longer and he starts to gain um you know, these long fingernails and becomes strangely feminine. He becomes a much more feminine character, um, even though his name is Adam. And then he births a brother, Eve, who is um, very similar looking with shorter, darker hair, um, shirtless a lot more, has these like beautiful black tattoos. I don't know who did them, but... uh... (laughs) Eric, I think you might have a little crush on these, um, on these creepy um, android orgy... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or robot orgy alien robots <laughs> a little I bit. mean it's it's just Kendall down there like I don't know <laughs> I as for for as much as my eyes might uh might uh tell me I like what I see if I, I get dad there there's gonna be hardly hardly anything honey. hey I'm sure there's a hole somewhere <laughs> hey if you can't find one make them that's what they say with robots <laughs> but anyways yeah so I like basically wait from what you're saying it's like these uh two characters have observed or like are the product of these machines learning about human history and then mm-hmm. going on to kind of present and play with uh their identity and their gender in really interesting ways. Yeah. Yes, it's it's uh it's it's fascinating to watch especially because it it does sort of seem like the the last ditch effort of these alien machines who are realizing that they cannot win this war like creating you know one singular atom to like sort of rebirth their entire existence you know mm-hmm. that is made in god's image or human image or what's the difference i, I don't know mm-hmm. um the game is very heady like that and again the game also is not um as much as like the visual imagery may hit you on the head it doesn't really like go on to like sit you down and like start explaining like kierkegaard philosophy to you like <laughs> it's all just kind of they're on the outskirts, even though what you're watching is kind of horrendous. This machine egg hatching and a mm-hmm. gooey human very coming grotesque. out of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I love it. I love that it's grotesque and gross and like not very clear what exactly is happening. And, you know, I, I love a good like lore heavy game. And trust me, once you finish this game, you can go like down Wikipedia articles, mm-hmm. lists and lists that just explain like the lore of like what this world is and why things happen in this and game. how it's tied to the original and how it's all tied to the original and the and guard universe etc cetera, etc cetera. Um, and you know and that's cool i guess but like yeah. i'm not playing at, at the end of the day i'm not playing these games for that i'm playing it for you know these d- depictions of uh, queer characters that seem very romantic but then they're also brothers but then they're also androids and what even are they um they're sort of depicted as rather than like two separate entities being like two parts of the same whole that have split. Um, There's so much imagery in this game of like eggs splitting or like two things being one thing, um, which, you know, is very unifying. It feels very like a, 
you know, origin of love, um, mm-hmm. smashing our human bits back together to, to, um, <laughs> I don't know, create God. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. Kind of to dive into, I don't know, queer theory a little bit. Um, I guess, what do you take of these characters? I don't know. Have we already, have we already touched on this? I don't know. I, I feel like I'm, I might be talking in circles, but it's like, um, I don't know if these androids or these machines rather are, um, uh, trying to, uh, let me back up. I, I guess if this game is, um, about what it means to be human and, um, what it means to have identity, like what do these, um, villains serve, um, in terms of that message? Like, do you have any like takeaways on like what, what it has to say about, uh, humanity and gender and all, all that neat stuff? Um, and also you don't have to have a super thought out answer. I'm just asking uh, questions there's, here. Uh, there's this other character who, um, is in the game named operator six. Oh, she sort of exists up in this Android spaceships, but speaks to, um, to be a nine S down mm-hmm. sort of gives them director directives and, you know, mission statements of where to go. Um, and she, you know, there's, has this little side bit, um, you know, halfway through the game where she'll call you and be very sad and be talking about like, oh my gosh, I, I asked out this other female operator and, and she said no, and I just don't know how I'm gonna keep going. I've never felt anything like this before. And to be your, you know, main character who's very, you know, stern and unfeeling and very much, you know, doesn't believe By the rules is like, no, we're not supposed rules, to have feelings. We're not we're supposed, supposed to have to feelings. Why would you even on the do mission. that? Mm-hmm. Also, why are you telling me about this? Um, and, um, you know, it's it's nice that there is, I wouldn't say there's any, like, really, like, truly explicit queerness in the game. Um, I, I do think the world of this game kind of exists, like, in a post uh, sexuality queer world where like all right our human ideas now of like gender and sexuality are like so far gone and so far um you know mysterious to these androids that you know are living now but don't even understand why they have gender why were they built if they are these creatures who were built for you know destruction and um you know annihilation of another species why were they even made with the ability to to eventually feel or the ability to like, um, you know, speak and consider and have free thought. It's, it's so strange. And the game really doesn't answer that question. Why? But, you know, I don't think that answer is really clear in our actual lives either. So Mm -hmm. maybe that's sort of the the point. Yeah. And I think maybe the futility of trying to understand it all is kind of the point too. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. I think as humans, we kind of have a need to, um, uh, rationalize everything and uh make mm-hmm. sense of it all um and i think that this game really I, I embraces the idea of like there are no clear-cut answers about mm-hmm. humanity and and um, what it means to uh be human unless yeah, so then I, i'm sure on that wild third playthrough it has some big philosophical thoughts on that well yeah and i just and it it's it, it it makes you wonder like in our own lives why do we apply our own standards of gender and sex and sexuality to ourselves like why mm-hmm. if we if we can play this game and like look at these robots doing this thing and going why it's so dumb why would they even care about that they're robots you can so easily apply the same things to humans because aren't yeah. we also just you know kind of following our little robots? maybe lives? we are maybe, the, we, maybe we're the robots at the orgy and maybe we're the ones that need to <laughs> you know break free of that and that's sort of what clearly you know this game is about you know yeah. breaking free of those bonds of um, you know, bi- binary evil and good and, mm-hmm. you know, 
Good literally binary, since they're literally binary, since they're computers, since darling. they're also code. <laughs> and yet, and yet, they're they're so far from being anywhere on the binary because they are just robots. I mean, mm-hmm. again, two B is like such this, you know, titillating character. Mm-hmm. Um, like she's designed to be attractive, and yet the game is constantly reinforcing that like the thing you're looking at is not human. So if you, the player, are having a sexual attraction to a robot, well, you're just you know hot for a robot man that's not a real person um and yet the game does everything shows you so much of itself to like try and make you believe that like these androids are truly like closer to human than any any one of us are um so, so it's heady like that you know it's yeah. it's a, <laughs> and it's also like and it's also like full of you know big you know robots that you fight and shoot and a lot of them are named after these philosophers and mm-hmm. to literally have you the player like killing these robot philosophers. I feel like maybe speak the futility of like trying to find an answer uh, to, to any of this. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I guess do you have any final thoughts on, on the game? Any, like we, we talked a lot about how it may not be for everyone, but I guess what's the sell or what's, um, um, why should I, uh, why should I go back and finish uh, this game? <laughs> uh, you should go back and finish it because, because you want uh, me to. Because I want you to. <laughs> And also because you told me to, and LOL for this podcast. Also, how serendipitous that um, uh, last week you came and travel and were like, I don't think I'll have time to record an episode this week. And I was like, okay, good, because I'll have time to play the, the game. I barely played the game, and I should go back and play it. And then decided that I didn't want to. Anyways, <laughs> uh, well, then I want I want to hear what uh, I want to hear your final thoughts then on the on on to what you've what you've completed up to this point. If you had to like sort of give your your sell on the game as someone who doesn't like it. As, well, it's not that I, I think that's harsh. I, I don't think <laughs> <laughs> that that's made harsh of you, Ty. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I, I don't think that I dislike this game per se. I do think that it's uh, at this juncture in time, not my cup of tea. Um, I will say that it's, um, although I said that aesthetically it can be kind of drab intentionally. So at times, I do think it's stunning. The amusement park scene in particular, um, just gorgeous. It's like a um, dreamlike apocalyptic Disneyland um, that's um, <laughs> so beautiful. I love the music in that segment. Um, I, I think it's weird. This game is hitting a lot of boxes that on paper sound like they're great. I just um, didn't really vibe with me at that moment in time. But I think, it, yeah. um, you know, it has and a lot I, of... And I think- and it holds it holds its cards very close to its chest too. Yeah. Like it doesn't the game doesn't want you to see it for what it is on the like initial run of it. Um mm-hmm. and again, and I don't think that is like always a, a good thing for games. Like I Yeah, it's you, tough because I get I, that that's I, I, an I intentional think, Yeah. I get that that's an intentional choice. It's just I don't have the patience right now. <laughs> <laughs> you have but, homes to decorate for your animals. I, truly, I, I have so many. I, I, I have a job, and it's being a happy home paradise designer. Okay, maybe if you knew, <laughs> maybe if you knew what it was like to actually run a business, then you <laughs> you would. But you don't. Or to, to because I was too busy skincare. what playing near automata. <laughs> um. But yeah. Uh, what are your final thoughts, Eric? What do you think? Um, hold on, what do I think? Uh, well, uh, 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 I actually do need to think. That's why I was keep throwing it back to you, because I can't think of my final thoughts. Ah, you can't <laughs> keep throwing it back. I've told you that I, A, I haven't finished it, and B. Uh, 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 um, I, I don't know. I feel like I've said so much. Um, y- you know, this game has, um. Wait, well, okay, I, I asked you the question, why should I go back and finish it? 
Um, I think you should go back and finish it because I do think if if you do see it through to the end, you'll be glad that you did. Like I I I also remember bouncing off this game hard like the first couple times I tried it. I think maybe like I I only truly sat down and played it maybe a year after I got it, only because I, I sat down and picked it up and sat down and picked it up and I do think it's very hard at the beginning. I do think the game has like a pretty high like oh yeah sk- skill curve. That's the other thing. That opening boss battle I told you about the very mm-hmm. first time that I played through it. It's I, hard. Well, I died at the very end of the boss battle, and since I hadn't saved yet, since it was one whole thing, I had to go through the first hour of the game again. And that oh yeah, that's exactly what happened that to me. Actually, yeah. pissed me off, and I was like, "Well, fuck you, Yokotaro." <laughs> Yeah, but 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 what if but what if Yokotaro said that was the point, Lauren? Oh, sure, it's it's art. That's it's em- art. Then that's I see, but like, and you, that's when I think auteur theory like it gets like super frustrating. It isn't always the best way of like analyzing yeah, something exactly. because then you can because it's not is not always true that. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, but no, I think there's 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 true value in like um, seeing the ways in which this game takes the medium of video games to tell a. a um, uh, uh, such a such a raw and human story that I like we said can't could not be adapted in in the same way or at least not at least the same emotional reaction that it got from me as I got to the end as I think it um, uh, 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 would if in any other sort of way uh, I don't know I'm 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 very hot on this game I understand the people that that are not um, but. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I certainly I'm, don't want to come off as like dunking on the game because I, I do think it's brilliant. And I do think um, if you're a fan of JRP hack and slash JRPGs like this, um, it's certainly worth checking out. Yeah. And, oh, hey, and, and, and you can also check out Near Replicant, which is the remake of the original Near game that also links directly into Near Automata. I haven't played that either, but I have heard it's just as long and frustrating and not easy to get into. So I oh, can't you, wait to play it. You mean Near Replicant version 1.22474487139? Dot, dot, dot? <laughs> oh, sorry. Yes. Shit. Sorry. Yes, I forgot. That's the full title. Apologies. God. And I call myself a journalist. You, you call oh. yourself a, um, a gamer. How dare. Um, How dare. But yeah, if you want to check out this game, it's on PlayStation, Xbox One, and the new Xboxes, um, and PC. And it's on Microsoft Ga- Xbox Game Pass, if you want to check yeah, it out for yeah. absolute $10 a month. I was going to say free, but it's technically not free. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Check it out. Form your own opinions on it. Um, let us know um, if you uh, think it's uh, brilliant, if you think it's a masterpiece, or um, if you think it's uh, it's kind of boring to play, but also still respected as a masterpiece. Let us know! Also, if you're a diehard fan of this game, um, don't at me. I, I appreciate this game, and I think it's um, I think all art is a beautiful endeavor, and all video games are um, it's a masterpiece that any game gets made. So, if if um, our near hot takes are the reason we get canceled, I would be I would actually be pretty happy. You know that yeah. <laughs> for all the things we've said on the mic for like <laughs> near weebs to be like um actually near is a modern masterpiece. <laughs> You know what? I welcome it. Come on. Mm, I welcome it. I'll fight any nerd who tries to challenge me. <laughs> All right. Should we take a break and come back to talk about what else we're gay for this week? Let's do it. Sorry to end on that combative note. Oh, well, let me go get my hey. giant anime sword, girl. <laughs> yeah. 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 I was practicing my, my anime yells. Work. <laughs> I'm not
I'm getting I'm getting a transmission. I'm getting a transmission right now. It says, um, oh, Lawrence, it's from the Yorhut. It says it wants us to also talk about what we're gay for this week. What does that mean? Oh, interesting. Um, I think that must mean that it's the part of the show where we just talk about what else we are gay for. We are uh, always gay for play. Um, but are we gay for pay? Uh, other things that we're playing? Other other things that we're that we're interested in consuming and discussing this week? I think so. Eric, what are you gay for this week? Oh my gosh. Um, I'm going to talk about a game. <laughs> oh. Mm-hmm. Um, now, Lawrence, have you heard of this game? Um, it's kind of spooky. It's it's sort of like in the to, holiday season. I'm going um, so to I don't know if you heard it because I know you don't really like scary stuff, but have you heard of this absolutely game called Strangle You, Strangle You with My Bare Hands? <laughs> okay, so listener. It's become a it's become a joke over the past week. So on what was it two episodes ago? Uh-huh. Last time we recorded our Halloween um, spooky queer. Our Halloween episode, we talked about spooky games, and I mentioned a little game called Inscription that I hadn't yet played, but I mentioned it and specifically said, "Eric, I think you'd be really into this game. You should check it out." Lo and behold, you text me about a week later, <laughs> and are like, "Hey, have you heard about this game called Inscription? It sounds really <laughs> dope." And I was absolutely livid. <laughs> Absolutely live that you didn't remember one of the um, one of the thousands of words that came out of my not, mouth. Not only do we record this podcast, I also like <laughs> edit it and listen to it multiple times, and yet I cannot remember. That's the thing that, too. Like, <laughs> like you had edited the episode, so I know you had at least heard me say it twice. <laughs> truly, but, truly, I, I I just don't hear like fair chunks of this audio podcast. Mm-hmm. I'll even listen back to older episodes and be like, I truly don't remember ever having this conversation with yeah. Lawrence. What the mm-hmm. hell? Don't remember any of those words leaving my mouth. But anyways, um, so sorry, I'm Lawrence. Glad you checked out this game, <laughs> but I checked I it out anyway. Which, well, in fairness, like I hadn't played it yet, played it yet. I only mentioned it saying like it sounds cool mm. um, but you've played it so how I have what's, played what's it. up what's the team um it's so fucking cool um if you haven't heard about this game inscription it's um from the creators of pony island but that doesn't matter because this game's unrelated i think um it is this deck building card game um think hearthstone or um gwent from the witcher games um mm-hmm. except it's just a game about you sitting at a table across from a guy playing a game of cards uh, except it's kind of horrifying. Um, I wouldn't say it's... Real spooky. Real spooky. I wouldn't say straight up horror. This game is not bloody mm-hmm. or gory or doesn't even have anything I would consider jump scares in it. But It's um, ominous. But it's very ominous. I mean, the game starts and you just wake up at this table and you're sitting across from this figure and all you can see are these glowing eyes across from you. You can't see any body or shapes. All you see are these hands reaching out of the darkness, placing these cards in front of you. And um, the card game itself that you play is really fun i'm not going to try to describe it because even when i heard it described to me before i played the game even if those descriptions were accurate the cards actually don't matter to me the cards are not what is selling me on this it is sort of everything around the cards you know the fact that this game has such a alluring mystery behind it why are you sitting across from this table when you wake up Mm -hmm. um not only is this game about you sitting at a table with cards but it also has moments where you get up from the table and explore this kind of cabin room that you're in and it has elements of like an escape room video game i was gonna say like isn't it like an escape room basically it's it's an escape room it's basically i mean basically this game is you're sitting across from this guy playing cards with him trying to escape this room um and so you know as you progress through the game you will uncover more clues as you're playing with this guy that will like tick you off to you know how to unlock some kind of latch that's in the um 
room that will progress the story forward. And uh, while I'm not done with the game yet, I have heard that this game goes even further than what that initial description is and that the game goes even far weirder, stranger. And um, like throws out its rules. Throws and out its rules. rules. And apparently this game has some incredibly meta aspect to it. Not, not, okay, no Zuckerberg. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but I, but I love that. I mean, I love that. Um, you know, I think the reason I finally was sold on this after hearing about it first on this podcast, but also from a few other podcasts, um, mm-hmm. Uh, one of my podcasts um, that I'm really into called No Proscenium, which is a theater podcast, talked about this game. And I think if you approach this game inscription as a theatrical experience, it actually makes it that much better for me because I'm I'm seeing this from the perspective of an audience member who is watching a show unfold in front of him because that's exactly what this feels like. You know, there's, there's a roguelike element to this game where um, when you lose the game, you just will start over again, but... The, pro- the the progress lost from um, losing the game doesn't really feel like progress lost. It's really similar to Hades in that way, where mm-hmm. um, despite you losing the card game, there is still a story momentum that is constantly building every time you die and every time you're reshuffling your deck and getting different cards and understanding better how to manipulate the rules of this game to um, win these card battles to uh, figure out why the hell you're locked in this room with this weird guy. I love mm-hmm. it. It's It's really, really phenomenal. It's truly unlike any game I've played in a really, really long time, and I highly recommend it. Even though we're past the spooky season, uh, Inscription is is so freaking good. Um, I, I highly recommend Lawrence check it out. Um, yeah, I download, there's a demo available on Steam, so I downloaded mm-hmm. the demo, and um, once I have some money in my pockets, I'm probably going to buy it and play through it. Um, yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. I'm excited to check it out. How about you, Lawrence? What else are you gay for this week? I'm gay for also a video game. I am playing a really, really lovely indie game called Unpacking. Oh, hell Um, yes. Yes. You've heard of it, yeah? I've heard of this. I want to play it so bad. It's so good. Um, It is an indie game developed by an Australian studio called Witchbeam. Um, And it's really, really just great vibes all around. Um, If if you are enjoying... um, Animal Crossing update and decorating houses. Uh, this is very in that oeuvre. Oh, it's pretty much. Um, yeah, what's that? It's it's about like decorating a house, right? Yeah. So it's about um, unpacking. It, I mean, it's in the title, but uh, it starts, you open up a diary and um, it writes 1997 and you are unpacking a like child's room. And um, uh, you're basically opening up boxes and taking out uh, cute little furniture. It's all in a really cute like pixel art style. And just, like, setting them. You have closets uh, to put things in. Um, so you just take out the little objects and set them on a desk or set them on your bed and uh, figure out where to put everything. Uh, it's got really lovely, chill, meditative music. And then once you finish a room, um, it kind of turns into, like, a block-fitting puzzle kind of thing where it's, like, it'll highlight in red items that, like, shouldn't be in the places <laughs> where you put them in. And you have to figure out, like, oh, what's well, a better place to put this thing? Oh, um, so it becomes, like, a spatial, like, organizing game, too? Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is really cool. It's like, uh, you know, the uh, cleaning your room without all the physical exertion, uh, which is really sweet. Which literally, um, and then, which like, literally it sounds like such, such, such a gag for me because I love to clean, but I hate moving my body. Exactly, exactly. Um, and yeah, so after you finish a level, it'll like jump forward in years. And basically it's kind of telling the story about um, this young girl's life or th- this girl's life across different phases of her Let's life. do her things. Yeah. Like, um, after you that. finish the first room, it's like, I finally got my first bedroom. And then like next one, um, you, it's a college dorm and you're unpacking things and suddenly there's a bathroom and, um, uh, a little kitchen and you have to figure out how to, how to fucking fit all the f- fucking plates on a shelf. 
Yeah, but it's <laughs> also like you, you, um, you're getting the story of a person's life just through exactly. their objects, which I think is so beautiful. Yeah, I love to think about really, the ways that like our things are shape our personalities mm-hmm. and, and vice versa. Yeah, and it, it's really good at doing like um, uh, set building storytelling of like the next one you do after that, like clearly you're moving into a space where someone already lives and it's mm-hmm. kind of like, oh, how do I take into account where do I put where I put my things knowing that someone else already has their stuff here? And so um, it's it's really sweet. It's really lovely. I'm um, uh, really, really enjoying it. It's on Steam, uh, Xbox, uh, and Nintendo Switch, and it's on Xbox Game Pass, which I was mm-hmm. playing on PC. Um, but yeah, uh, that's what I'm playing. Also, uh, I did want to mention real quick, I'm playing another game that is Maybe the polar opposite, but also really zen and really fun. I checked out Forza Horizon 5. And girl, I am not a car boy. But man, that is a really gorgeous and cool game. What is it? Um, Was it about the fifth Forza Horizon that, that that's, that's um, really getting you? You know what it is? Mm-hmm. It's Mexico. <laughs> mm, it's it's, it's set in Mexico. Um, and like, it, it's it does a really good job at like... I don't know. It feels thoughtful. I mean, it's not like it, it's not doing anything revolutionary with its story at all. But like, I don't know. It, it Wait, seems do like those developers. Games have stories. It's a light story. It's like it's like oh, you're a driver. You've come to the festival, and like you're you're the star driver, and you have to go around and do all the all the races and be really cool, and you get to go on little side quests. Um, but it did have a but really it's a like, fucking visual splendor, right? It's a visual feast. Yeah, this is hands down maybe the most gorgeous game i've ever played in my life which i feel like i'm always saying every <laughs> but those graphics you know, every just six keep months. getting better what yeah, are they gonna do um, when they get too good yeah i remember when they announced this game they talked about how they took like 8k footage of like actual mexican landscapes and um basically recreated them into the game and oh. it's, it's just gorgeous the lighting effects are gorgeous yeah, um maybe. and it, it it does like um it, even if in its like story light moments, it does kind of like touch on Mexican culture in a really cool way. Like there was this side quest. It's not where... like the gun in Far Cry Six that plays La Cucaracha when you shoot it. No, absolutely not that. <laughs> oh my god! Um, but I was gonna say there's a side quest early on in the game where it's like you help this girl uh, like locate her um, locate her old grandfather's uh, bocho, which is the Spanish word for a Volkswagen. And it talked about how like the bocho is kind of like a iconic part of Mexican culture of like you know the family Volkswagen and like how this car is like um such a um such an iconic symbol for um so many mexican households mm. and that resonated with me too and it was it was just really cool to kind of see my culture represented um in a game like this although it does also do the annoying thing of like all the mexican characters uh, they'll be talking to you and then they'll do one word in espanol because that's how mexican people <laughs> actually hablar <laughs> Which is so, it's like another, I talk about my pet peeve of Daylight Savings. That's another one of my pet peeves is anytime there's like a Latina person in a, in a, in a videojuego, they always just have to throw in one palabra in Espanol Mm -hmm. (laughs) to show you that they are absolutely uh, bilingual. How do you say bilingual (laughs) They're absolutamente, uh, I don't know, um, or I don't know, how do you say bilingual in Spanish? They're absolutamente bilingual. Oh my gosh. Um, hablan dos idiomas. There we go. <laughs> That's the only Spanish I know. That's the... Oh, um, what? From, from, from all your Disneyland trips? Damas y caballeros, por favor manténganse en sus manos al entro del carro todos los tiempos. Gracias por estar aquí en Disneyland. 
Wait, that was really good. That was, wait, that was actually super good. You should uh, self-tape for that. I should. Oh, my God. Um, I need a job, as I've said many times. Anyways, Forza Horizon 5. It's on Xbox and um, Xbox Game Pass for PC. Um, and Steam, I think, too. It's neat. It's it's worth checking out if you have Game Pass. Neat. Awesome. Well, I think that just about does it for uh, our episode this week. We've been going a while. I want to go. I'm tired. I'm yeah, hungry. it's been a long epi. It's been. Um, we talked about a big game. with Big, chunky game this week. Big, chunky um, anime titties, too. But... <laughs> <laughs> you kept saying titillating, describing, uh, describing, uh, yeah, to be. Yeah, I, I know. I, I had to stop myself from, uh, from going for the least common denominator of the joke. There. I know what <laughs> but... I said. <laughs> um, hey, um, yeah, like we said, hey, if you, um, Animal Crossing, we're talking about it again in a couple weeks, uh, send us your thoughts, uh, let us know what the game means to you. Also, um, hey, it's award season, girl. Um, Oh my god! Uh, we are soon going to be talking oh about our end of the year end of the year oh list. What do I like? I don't know what I like is, anything. I don't like things. An icon- it's an iconic part of gay culture is um, deciding um, what the being heavily invested in award seasons. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Contrary to everything else we talked about at the beginning of this app. Um, but yeah, um, I think we're going to be doing a little little something special for our game of the year stuff. Uh, so stay tuned. We'll probably have more to announce about it soon. Yes, yes. Uh, but wanted to get you to start thinking about your games of the year. Let us know what they are. And if you'd like to let us know, Eric, how can people reach us? Oh, well, you can always reach out to us at GayForPlayPod on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, we're both pretty active. Um, I'm only logged into the Gay for Play Twitter account now. So um, if you see me tweeting deep personal things it means i forgot i wasn't logged into my personal twitter anymore <laughs> um you can also email us at gay for play podcast at gmail.com please send us pictures of tom nook's feet i am waiting listener you don't do that <laughs> uh you can also 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 Follow us on Patreon. We have a Patreon. It's at patreon.com slash gayforplaypod, where you can subscribe for as low as $1 a month. Uh, we be posting all kinds of exclusive epis. You heard last week we posted um, one of our Patreon episodes, um, the yeah. five definitive pieces of media that shape our canon. Mm-hmm. Um, also, if you didn't listen to the episode and you want to know what our uh, Patreon content is like, go back. It's the episode right before this one in the, in the main podcast feed. So check that out. Uh, yeah. Like you said, we have uh, bonus episodes there and we're planning to do some more in the near future. So nice. And are you yeah, streaming? Are you coming up with the stream anytime soon? I am. Yeah. I think what? I'm going to be streaming some animal crossing this Saturday. So tomorrow, oh, if you're bitch. listening to the day we're recording. Um, and yeah, if you want to know more about that, um, check it, check out um, our socials at gay for play pod on Twitter and Instagram. And my personal Twitter and Instagram at Afferman76, where I'm sure I'll announce that as well. Oh, yeah. And you can find me online in places at Eric of the Sun. There's underscores yeah. between all But of not Twitter, because you're off there now. That's right. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess that's it. Hey, thanks for listening. Thank you for listening. Lords, we've almost been doing this for a whole ass friggin' Can you year. believe? It's insane. This is the longest I've been dedicated to something um, since I was an improv comedian. <laughs> Wow. Top two things, podcasting and improv comedy. (laughs) Oh, man. You know, on the surface, I'm like, wow, what a red flag of a person I am. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a dude with a podcast who used to do improv comedy. (laughs) But it's okay because I'm gay. So (laughs) that kind of balances it out. We can brand it as queer and get away with it. (laughs) 
It's actually so revolutionary that I, as a queer person, uh, did improv comedy and have a podcast. Yes, slay. Uh, <laughs> I'm uh, I'm queering the space by being in the space. Yes. <laughs> uh, also, uh, I don't have an also. I actually, I just, I was just going to say bye. Actually. <laughs> okay. Well, love you lots, listener. Sorry for that fake out at the end. Um, wait, no, wait, no. I have to have a real also now. Also. Um, uh, also, you know, tell your, uh, tell your Roomba that you love him. Find, find your, uh, Android devices around your home. Oh yeah. You never know. AI technology, it's really progressing and soon they might actually start progressing actual human feelings. We're not and that then... far from the singularity. So get on their good side now while you can. Yeah. Ask them if they dream of electric sheep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> ask, and ask them what they thought of Cyberpunk 2077. I bet I want to hear an AI, like, concretely tell me that's not a good game. Mm-hmm. Or um, feed them, like, 400 episodes of your favorite TV show and then write fake tweets about what they said. Ooh. Oh, we should do that. We should do that with our podcast. We should, like, get an AI to write our um, Twitter mm-hmm. tweets. Oh, yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, I have some ideas now. I'm going to go. Um, All right. See you later, listener. We got, we've got we got lots of plans to make. <laughs> All right. I love you. Love you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Gape or Play. Our music is by Connor Marsh and our show art is by Nick Adams. Check out our links in the description if you want to see more about the show. Until next time, remember, glory to mankind and to podcasts.